as we continue this series on the room. Today I want to talk about the room with a view. Broken, but blessed. And as I was over there, I couldn't help myself but to start... I felt like I've been in the Spirit like all morning long. So, you know, you wake up in the morning and you start to feel like, you know, the Holy Spirit is spending time in prayer and and I'm feeling that the Lord's really starting to speak to me. And then you start to move within the Spirit and, you know, you wake up and Satan's always trying to, to make it difficult for you to get to the place where you were at last week and that place was... You know, in this sanctuary where we were actually uh, experiencing what it really was like as a church to feel the Holy Spirit in this place. And to understand what truly prayer is about. And, and oftentimes we uh, look at our lives and, and we're, we're hindered by prayer. And that's kind of what this series is for me, to be able to talk to you about, you know, what hinders us from entering the room. And what's it like? But, you know, as I was standing over there... You know, I, I, for me, sometimes it's just those quiet moments of prayer. Sometimes it's just being still and hearing, hearing the Lord. But, you know, this thought came through my mind as I was worshiping. And in that song it says, Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you, and it is well with me. And I wanted to just stop. I wanted to just, when the song ended, I didn't want to preach. I wanted to just to be silent. Because through it all, no matter what, and all of the chaos and noise and hype of life, we know that He's with us. And we can just be still and feel His presence. And I know that the Holy Spirit is working through each and every person in this room today. And I know that God has something special for each and every person in this room. And today as I speak on broken but blessed, the room with a view. And when it comes to prayer, a broken mirror limits our view of and experience of Christ. And it keeps us from becoming like Him, which is tragic and has far-reaching consequences. The room. This is, this is what it's about. It's about understanding our position, the perspective on prayer. Last week we talked about the distractions that can keep us from getting into the room They keep us from experiencing the very presence of God. Church, do you want to experience the presence of God today? Amen. Our theme passage comes from a statement Jesus made. And if you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus made in the middle of one of his teachings... Not only to his disciples, but the others that were there. And in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus instructed them about prayer. And what did that look like for them? 
People ask, why do you pray that way? Why is, why is prayer so significant to you? Well, if you heard the message last week, then you've allowed the successes of your life and distractions of your life to hinder you from spending time with God this past week. Shame on you. Because the word wasn't just for me, it was for you, it's for us. That's why God has the word for us. We were in the back and I appreciated it. I asked Jay, I said, Jay, could you please pray this morning? And he started to pray and he said, in that prayer which stuck out to me, he says, I'm glad that legally, listen to this, that legally we're able to be in corporate worship. What a thought. What an amazing thought. And it made me stop and think as well. I think we take it for granted. I think we take for granted. Look at the empty seats. Because we've allowed the distractions and the trophies of our life to distract us from going to that place where Jesus is at. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Now this isn't my words because I want to share with you exactly what Jesus has to say to each and every one of us. In Matthew chapter 6, it says this in verse 5, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Period. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, remember we circle that, but you, because he's speaking to you in singular, he's speaking to you, he's speaking to your heart. But But when you pray, it says, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. But he says, therefore, do not be like them. Do not act like them. Don't say all that fancy stuff. I just want to talk to you. I just want to have a relationship with you. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask. Of course, the room. The room is more than just a physical location. It is about a relationship. And we know on this side of the cross that it is about God's invitation into where? Into the holy of holies by the blood of Christ. It says this in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw in there with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We're so busy being busy that we lose sight of who Jesus is. We lose sight of that intimacy. We lose sight of even opening up the door to go in that secret place. To go in the place that is holy. To go to a place where we have to change who we are. Church, do you want to change in your life? then you have to enter into that room and allow the distractions of your own life and your pride and your self-centeredness to be left outside that door so you can go in and be a changed and different individual when you leave the room.
the view. So we see the view. The view is all about our view of Christ in our personal life. A life-transforming experience of His person, His presence, and His power through prayer. As we will see, we can experience this room privately in our walk with God. Or like, much like today, we can experience it corporately with others and as a church. In any case, we can now experience the Lord in the secret place of the heart where the Lord sees the real and often hidden things of our heart. Last week, we took a look around this room. We entered the room. And I pointed out that we have a trophy case. We talked about getting past the trophies of our heart or the distractions or the successes of our lives and into the presence of God. And today, we come to a mirror. This is significance because the Bible uses the idea of a mirror to describe our experience of his presence and prayer. You're like, but where, Pastor? And where does it say that? Well, it says it in Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And it says this, and you can follow along. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So just like a person looks in a mirror to see an image, we gaze upon the person of Christ as we pray. And through that experience, we are literally transformed to the image of Christ. Many of you, I'm sure that you've noticed that this mirror... Is broken. And even though that it is broken, you can still see your reflection. And when it comes to prayer, a broken mirror limits our view of and the experience that we can have with Christ. It keeps us from becoming like Him. Which church has tragic and far reaching consequences? Isn't that how life is? Almost overnight, our lives can change direction and challenges get inserted into our lives without notice or invitation. Then we begin asking ourselves, why? And when will it go away? Or when will God heal me? When our lives are broken, we can't just keep going through the motions, attending church, trying harder. Attempting to pray, but we need to get on our knees and cry out to God for help and healing and we need to him to restore our vision and experience of Christ and change our hearts. I put this up here and yes, I kind of designed that little uh, broken mirror. You guys like my creativity? Does it look broken from back there? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? I think we look in the mirror and for some of us we see exactly who we see through these eyes and through these lens. And, and yet many of us can look back over our lives and we can start to see that image, that image which was natural for us. The imperfections or maybe for some of us, you know, they think they're perfect when they look in the mirror. 
But we see that our life is broken, our life is shattered, and many of us will pick up this mirror and look at it and go, whoa, now it's distorted. And when I look inside this mirror, why is it that my face is, is, is in many pieces and, and many places on there and that my body is broken because that's what life's about. But I saw the thing move there for a minute. That's what life is about. We have obstacles we've got to overcome. We have sin that we have to overcome. We have unrighteousness that we have to overcome. We have pain that we have to overcome. But until you can't get, until you can get past the brokenness of your life and start to see the image of Christ, you will never, ever experience Jesus in His glory. When was the last time you cried out to God and you, start to, you started to see Him heal you, change your circumstance, change your situation, change your life? Maybe if we went into this room and maybe we were able to, to look into the eyes of Christ because Satan is here to rob us of our joy, to steal us of our joy. The Bible says that he is like a thief. He's a roaring lion. Seeking about whom he may devour. He is out to seek, kill, and destroy. And if you have a bad attitude, it's because he's got a hold of your heart. And today, you need to change that. You need to replace it with joy. You need to get into the room and put your face down on the carpet. And ask God to deliver you from the bitterness and the pain. And, and the, the things that are keeping you so... Uh, chained down you can't find victory maybe if we prayed like this in that secret place we'd change our whole course of life and our perspective would change I need you. I know I haven't prayed like I should. I know that I haven't I haven't followed you like I should. But I need you right now. Lord, I've been so angry at Tony. And I am still so angry angry at him but I don't want to lose my marriage Lord forgive me forgive me I'm not his judge you are but I'm asking you please please don't let him do this.
please take over. Take my heart and take all this anger. Help him love me again. Help me love him. He's doing something wrong. Don't let him get away with it. Stand in his way. I'm asking you, please, to help me. But I've come that you may have a life and have it abundantly. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee. devil but I know you can hear me you have played with my mind and had your way long enough no more you are done
thing. I am so sick of you stealing my joy. But that's changing too. My joy doesn't come from my friends. It doesn't come from my job. It doesn't even come from my husband. My joy is found in Jesus. And just in case you forgot, he has already defeated you. So go back to hell where you belong and leave my family alone. Amen. Look to the person next to you and say, Jesus is my Lord. Amen. Celebrate. We've allowed the influences of others to impact our decisions. What I love about that movie, The War Room, is where you start to feel the presence and power. She starts to speak the word over the enemy. Amen. So in the next few minutes, I want to invite you to focus on some few truths about God, his love and his character that will put our minds in focus and align ourselves up with God's word so that our broken hearts and mirrors can be healed and our experiences of Christ and prayer restored. You want us to see God's response to our brokenness, then look at how we can and should respond when the mirror of our life has been cracked or shattered. Number one, God's responses to our brokenness. God's response to our brokenness. Number one, God cares about you. Do you hear me, church? God loves you. He cares about you, period. No qualifiers, no disclaimers. The Bible states this in the simplest of terms in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. And he says this, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now let me tell you how you should interpret this verse. This is not saying, hey, let God know so he can only sympathize and cry with you. Anyone can do that. Anyone can care for you or sympathize with you. But only God cares for you and has the ability to do something about it. In addition, notice to what length his care goes. Notice this verse says, all cares, not some cares, not just a couple cares. He says they're casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Then if you have your Bible, you can circle all your care. He's not limited to just one or two things. You can go to him and give him all that you have. All your cares. This means spiritual. This means physical. This means emotional, financial, mentally. God is interested in all these areas that may be in need of healing. But we're limited to that. We don't believe that he can do that because we're not speaking it. We need to learn to speak it, church. We need to learn to be the church. We need to Embrace the power of prayer and the power of God. Number two, God has the power to heal. 
God has the power to heal. And in his word, he speaks clearly of his desires to do so, collectively and individually. So, A, he can heal us collectively. He can heal us collectively as a nation, as a church, as a family, as a marriage, in the workplace. It says in Second Chronicles 7.14 this, Then I know that this was meant for the Hebrew children, for the nation of Israel. But he says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. As we do so in humility, repentance, then he will act to heal and restore our lives and our church and our homes. Of course, God restores a nation, a church, a home, one heart at a time. Secondly, He can heal us individually. He can heal us. Some of the most powerful verses that talk about God's healing power are found in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 17. And verse 13 reads, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed because the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avail us much. You see, there are a few things, three things that I notice in this passage. You could probably preach weeks on this passage. But number one, it says emotional healing. This passage speaks of emotional healing. I'm going to ask you a question, church. Is anyone among you suffering? Anyone you know, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. This is Psalm 147.3. says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and binds their wounds. Emotional healing. Emotional healing controls the time that we actually have in this space, in the room. How about physical healing? You noticed in James chapter 5, verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Is anyone? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Why do we have altar call? We have altar call because we want the elders to come forward and to pray and to lay hands and to, and to anoint with oil because it's exactly what is asked of us. Where two or more gathered, I'm there. But allow the elders to come and pray over you. Allow those to, to impart healing upon your life. Know that Jesus is the healer. And third, spiritual healing. In James 5 verse 15. 
It says, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. We realize that in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Spiritual healing. We are hindered by the shattered life, by the things that we've gone through, by looking into a mirror, because we don't see Christ as clearly as we once did. How many of you love baby Christians? I love baby Christians, because I'll tell you, this is how they come to church. I'm going to start right here, so I don't lose anybody. How you doing, Sir Ron, Lucinda, Steve, Cass, Megan, Travis, Michael, Kimmy, Chris, Tracy, Justin, Monica. Hi, Becky. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Ryan. How you doing? Oh, Trish, Teresa. I mean, it's so great to see you. Oh, isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Yes, I love being in church today. It's so great, man. There's nothing great. What are we preaching about today? Oh, I love music. My hands are lifted high. Woo! I'm praising Jesus. I'm so excited god is so good and all the time thanks for for adding that in there and you're going he's so weird you were thinking it but then our brokenness our pain our sins the condemnation that's put upon us we now walk into the church. It's much like this. We've left the Bible sitting on the pew where you left it last week and the month before that and the month before that. And we kind of walk in with our head down. We don't look at anybody. We kind of walk in. Man. Another song. It's too loud. What is that song anyhow? I remember back when they used to have hymns. <laughs> What's a hymn? I don't know. Ugh. Arr. What are you laughing at? You have joy in your heart. <laughs> People are awful. I went to that church. They're friendly. Oh. Yeah. You know what, Van? She's probably laughing at me. So what everybody does. Call me that weird preacher. <laughs> That's right. That's what William said too this morning. <laughs> that was for you, Lisa. We've lost our joy. We've lost it, church, because we've allowed the thief to come in. And listen, thieves don't break into empty houses. When you are filled and full and excited, he wants you to be this guy over here. What are you laughing about? Mm-hmm. We're discouraged. We've lost our focus. Why? Because of our shattered life. Listen, regain it, claim it. Say, go to hell where you belong, Satan. For today, I have victory. Made all these things. We've been made more than conquerors through him who loved us, right? I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. I'm a winner. I'm not a wanderer. I have favor. And today, I'm taking it back. Right? That's what we need to do. 
Because Satan knows the schemes, the scams. You heard what Priscilla said, right? We got to get excited. Man, the world needs the gospel news. They need Jesus Christ. But we can't have that spirit of victory, of being a winner, when we live a life defeated because the enemy has told us that. So get your body back in that space. Get in the room. Find your place with God. Love Him. Embrace Him. And just talk to Him. And He'll do something for you. Hallelujah. Now, our response to brokenness, hallelujah. So our response to brokenness, to move beyond doubts, to trust. So in James chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, says this. I'm out of breath. The effective, fervent prayer. The effective, Fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And in verse 17, it says this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years And six months. And it said, and he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced its fruit. Look to the person next to you and say, I'm trusting. I am trusting. When our lives are shattered, it's natural to doubt God's care and ability to meet our needs. And if you look at verse 17, it says this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. That sinful nature. We are sometimes like Elijah. He loved God. Was used of God, but had severe moments of doubt. Even after a great spiritual exploit on Mount Carmel. He was overcome by fear of Queen Jezebel. Who wanted him dead. He thought he was all alone. He literally sat under a tree and asked God to kill him. So we know this story. We won't get into the verses today. We're going to pass on that, Jay. But we see that God used him and he heard his prayer. It said that he went into the wilderness. Many of us go into a place, maybe your quiet time, maybe the place where you've had to take a walk into the woods and said, God, I need to be here. And as soon as you enter into those woods and that place that you think is solitary or, uh, or quiet or wherever you feel like you want to, to sense the, the power and the presence of God, Satan decides to show up, doesn't he? And he strikes and tries real hard to distract you so that you can't nor feel the awesome power of God. But we notice in his life, as he rested and listened to the Lord, that still small voice, God restored him, gave him hope, renewed his perspective, and drew him close to his heart. The Lord can do the same for you this morning. But you must pray earnestly. The Bible promises, and you heard me say it, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know what that means? That means go to the Lord. And you will get what you're asking for. 
didn't say in your time, in his time. But it says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I love this quote. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. When we doubt his care, when we face storms, when we think we've been abandoned, when we are overcome by fears and the mirror of our experience of God becomes cracked. We must ask God for the grace to pray earnestly. And just as Elijah, often with broken mirrors, we must continue to pray. We can also think of another illustration from the Gospels. Sometimes we are like the disciples that were caught in the storm, which was found in Mark chapter 4, verses 37 through 40. The wind and the waves were severe. Jesus was sleeping in the boat. and The disciples were having a crisis of faith and were overcome by fear. Like the disciples, we can also get overwhelmed with trauma of that moment. Our mirror gets cracked. We doubt Christ, even though, even though, even though he is with us. He is with us. We can begin to doubt his presence. We can begin to doubt his care. Or doubt his ability to help us. Charles Spurgeon said, Our anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but only empties today of its strength. You remember that the disciples cried out to Jesus in the midst of the storm. Don't you care if we perish? Ask you, Jesus, don't you care if we perish this was the only prayer they offered it was the the plague with doubt and fear but it was desperate and yet it was a very passionate you can ask god why god when god i don't understand god but never doubt or never get to the point Where you ask the question, does he care for you? But you will. If we don't pray and if we don't have an intimate relationship with God, we will end up doubting his care for us. We are reminded in spite of our lack of faith, our overwhelming fears and our confusion, we must still cry out to Jesus. He is with us. He can calm the storms. He can heal our fears. He can give us a fresh understanding of his power. That is why we must pray, even in our brokenness. So now we trust in him. 2 Corinthians 1.9 says, Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. We need to remember that however God responds to our requests, For helping and healing, God's responses are always the best for us. Because he knows the best. He knows your next step. He knows you. And he loves you. He knows what you're going through. He knows you from beginning to the end. And he cares and he loves you. Even when you feel like the mirror of your view of him is broken and your heart is overwhelmed. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. 
So knowing this, that God knows you and God loves you. So however God answers your prayer for healing is the best decision for you. And I say this as I conclude. I want to direct your attention to some of the ways that God responds to our prayers for healing. One, our prayers and brokenness. Today you may be sitting here and you feel like this message is just for you. Maybe your mirror is broken. You know the Lord is there, but your experience of Him is broken. Your mirror is shattered by your fears. Maybe by your doubts and pain and disappointment. You need His healing touch to restore you to Himself. To touch your emotions. To touch your spirit. Maybe to touch your body. Maybe it's just broader than you. You're broken over a family situation. Maybe a circle of relationships. Maybe you're a burden for a revival in our nation. You need renewed faith. I want you to know, church, that you can trust in Him. And know you must cry out to Him today with fervent, believing prayer in spite of your circumstances. Did you hear what I said? In fervent, believing prayer, in spite of your circumstances. Second Corinthians. I'm hit myself. One, I want to say this. One, confess all sin that is blocking or cracking your intimacy with Christ. So how do we overcome this? Confess all sin that is blocking your circumstances or your intimacy with Christ. It says in Psalm 32, 5, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said I will confess my transgressions, transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And then two, ask Him for stronger faith. Ask Him for stronger faith in your life. Mark chapter 9, verses 23 says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You see it in Mark 9, 24. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. I love you so much, Lord. Help my unbelief. I need your help as I walk through my day-to-day challenges, my day-to-day hurts, my day-to-day pains. Day-to-day unanswered questions. Let me cry out to you. So number three, our prayers and brokenness cry out for healing. Jeremiah 17, 14, it says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. We beg God to take away the pain, the brokenness that is ruling our lives. And we ask Him to heal Our illnesses, our hurts, and while God doesn't always choose to heal, we know His plans are the best plans for our lives. And then last, pray for peace. How many of us would say, you know, in my life there's been unrest, I'm unsettled. I want you to know, church, you can pray for for peace. You see, grace comes when you are trusting Him. Not yourself. 
not your reason, your resolve, but Him. And peace comes through praying to God and knowing that you have laid it in His hands. Not just when the answer to the prayer comes. You see, it's not the resolving of our circumstances that will make all things better. It is our trust in God and the dependence on Him that heals us, that restores a clear vision of Him and gives us power to get through another and another and another day. Do you believe it? Do you receive it? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that power of Christ may rest upon me. Would you give me a wave if you believe that prayer changes things? You believe that this morning? More importantly, Prayer changes us. Prayer does. It changes us. In the midst of broken lives and shattered dreams, our prayers help us make it through. And this is the hope that is found in Christ. The world seeks for answers to all of their problems through things that truly don't bring peace. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But we all... With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So church, come today. Be transformed. And will you trust Him to restore the mirror, to draw you close and make you like Jesus, to give you grace, to give you peace, healing and hope in the midst of your brokenness. Rise up, church. Rise up, Christian. Rise up. Let's stand as we listen to a dear friend of mine pray. it again Lord you've done it again you are good and you are mighty and you are merciful and you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it praise you Jesus you are Lord give me another one Lord Guide me to who you want me to help. Raise up more that will call upon your name. Raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. 
Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord, that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance. Raise up a generation, Lord, that will take light into this world, that will not compromise when under pressure, that will not cower, Lord, when others fall away. Raise them up, Lord, that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees, who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord. Lord, call us to battle, that we may proclaim King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray these things with all If you were the last one standing, would you say yes? Here I am, Lord. Raise me up.